Welcome to a bonus episode of the 5 a.m. Miracle. Tessa interviews Jeff. Healthy habits, hidden talents, and more. Good morning and welcome to the 5 a.m. Miracle. I am Tessa Sanders and this is the podcast dedicated to dominating your day before breakfast. Our goal is to help you bounce out of bed with enthusiasm, create powerful lifelong habits, and tackle your grandest goals with extraordinary energy. This is a special bonus episode where I, Tessa Sanders, get to ask Jeff Sanders some questions. So we thought for the bonus episode, we would just sort of veer off a little bit and get to know Jeff a little bit more. We're all excited to be here today. That was an awesome intro you did just then. <laughs> did I do a good job? That was awesome. Did I yeah. sound like you? You sounded like a very perky version of me. That's which what you sound like. I, I do sound perky. <laughs> That's I, Yeah, I apologize for any, I don't know, excessive perkiness maybe. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the, the joys of the 5 a.m. miracles, hearing your perkiness about it. Well, that's part of it, too. I mean, you know, a 5 a.m. wake-up call might sound painful, so a little perk in the, you know, pep in the step will help a little bit. Yeah. All right. So let's just jump in and just conversationally, you know, mm-hmm. learn a little bit about the man behind the mic. Well, I thought this would be a fun chance for us to reverse the roles here. So with you as uh, as the host, so to speak, <laughs> and me as the guest, yeah, I think it'd be fun. All right. Um. So... How's your day going? Let's start with that. We've had kind well, of an interesting one. <laughs> this is take two of this fun bonus episode because uh, take one, I got a late start because there was a storm and I was doing some audio testing, which we almost lost power to our house. And then we get a call in the middle of our recording that our daughter's daycare lost power and they were closing early. So this is our second attempt at this fun episode. But uh, yeah, other than that, I think that this today is actually pretty emblematic of how this week has gone for both of us. Yes. Which is that <laughs> we try to do things and they don't happen. And we try again and they don't happen again. Which, you know, I talk about productivity all the time and I love checklists and, and, you know, to-do lists and saying like, here's my intentional plan for the day and I'm going to make things happen. But then sometimes your thing doesn't happen and it's not your fault. It's just life is messy and there are things we don't control. And as part of a kind of high achiever lifestyle, how you respond to life is as important as your intentionality going into it. And so it's that question of when you get thrown off your calendar, how do you reset and get back on track? And I feel like the, the that reset that like I'm doing it again, I'm trying again, I'm trying again. It's just that's been my life a lot recently, which is exhausting. It's frustrating. But at the same time, I think it just speaks to I'm going to almost predict these things happening. And if you can do that, then it's not nearly as difficult and you can be a little more flexible. And I'm not a flexible person, I don't think, in general. I like to control my time, so that's a challenge for me. But that's what I'm working on. But I think also you have a a way of just sort of being matter-of-fact about it. Like, okay, well, the first take didn't really work, and we have to go get our daughter because she's in a daycare in the dark. True. And I'm sure the teachers want us to pick her up soon. And that's just sort of -of matter-of-fact. You know, there's no need to get really frustrated about it or angry. It's... Like, we just had, had to push it back, and we just did. Well, what's also funny is that, you know, I spend a lot of time by myself, and when with no one else around, I respond differently than when people are here. Ooh, which interesting. I think, yeah, well, I noticed that especially because our, our daughter, Rosie, uh, began daycare two weeks ago, 
And uh, it was it's awesome because we've wanted her to be in daycare for months, especially me, because I wanted some alone time to work. And then I finally got it. And I was like, wait a minute. This house is totally empty. It's weirdly silent. And I've kind of forgotten how to self-direct when it's just me and, and doing my work. And so in part, I get kind of amped up and more frustrated more easily when I'm by myself because I feel this almost like a, the bar is up. And I'm, I'm, I'm raising the bar and I'm trying to do too much in a short period of time. And then when others are around, you know, I, I'm not going to be that like overly frustrated kind of pushy guy with others, especially even you around. So then I become a little more kind of like jovial or a little easier going because I'm not going to be, you know, a jerk because there's no reason for that. But I'll be a jerk to myself. Right. I think that's what it is. Like, you you're, know, you're much harder on yourself. Or you're not going to like take it down on a child for right, like right. <laughs> waking up from a nap early or like needing help, you know, getting a snack or something. But like when right. you when it's yourself and you're getting distracted. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We had the pause here. We had this talk before the episode of Tessa not hitting the microphone, which she has done so many times. At least already. (laughs) I'm working on it. Mic technique. There we go. Okay. Um, Where were we? So we're doing bonus questions to get to know Jeff a little bit. Um, Here, I'll start with one that could be fun. What is your all-time favorite book mm. and why? And by this, I'm really thinking about, like, what is the book or books that you just, like, go back to over and over and over again? Well, what's interesting is that I redid my bookshelf recently, well, sort of recently, uh, where the books that are actually in my office here in the 5A Miracle Studios uh, are books that I tend to read frequently. Like the reference ones, books. They're almost. reference books because they're ones where they have, you know, passages or quotes in them that I want to remember because they just stuck with me. And I think that to that degree, I mean, obviously books are in categories. So you can't just say there's one book that like dominates them all. I mean, most people wouldn't say that unless they're referencing like you know, a religious text, but they might go something like I have the one thing is a very good book for me for productivity. Uh, Dean Karnazes' book, The Ultra Marathon Man, is a phenomenal book for health and fitness and kind of that mentality of going the extra mile. So I have books like that that I have defined as, like, this is like my book in this category that if I had only one book in that category, it'd be this one. But also it's interesting is that most of these books that I love the most are ones I read when I first started and I would call it my personal development journey. They had the biggest impact on me when I was first getting started because that's when I didn't know yet what these things are. Now, if you read 20 books in a category, you hear the same thing a lot. Everything's repeated. That's fine. But the first book you read when you first learned it, well, that's when the impact kicked in. And for me, it's like those are the books that stand out because there's a lasting memory of like, this changed my life. Like a whole new path started because of this book. And I feel like for me, that's what I'm looking for when I have a new project, a new venture, a new pivot in life. Like I'm looking for that information that'll just be a game changer. And so those books just stand out as like, this is this is important to me. So if you could take one book with you on like a deserted island, what book would it be? Ooh, well, if it's a deserted island and I'm by myself. And like, like a podcasting book or like not, we're not talking about like the Bible or like a, well, like a I, novel or something like a, you know. So like a practical book. Yeah. Well, if I'm by myself on an island, I'm a book like how to build a fire. <laughs> fair, fair. That's fair. Okay, if you were on like a deserted like podcast booth or something, like a recording a weird studio. Scenario. <laughs> I'm just trying to get you to like like okay. which book. Like if you had to pick one, I see you have like a bunch of books in here. 
Like if you had to pick one, your go-to book. Well, there's one I read recently that is super intense. I talked about the podcast, uh, which is David Goggins' Can't Hurt Me. Oh, yeah. And that book for, I mean, if you really want to think about like what it means to take your life so seriously that you're willing to do anything to fix it, willing to, to go, I mean, not just the extra mile, the extra hundred miles to do whatever it takes. Like David Goggins is that guy and his story is so intense and so like jaw dropping that if, if that gets into your soul a little bit, into your psyche, like you will be a different person. So I think if if I had read his book, which is a newer book, but if I had, had read that 10 years ago, I feel like I would be like off doing something very different today than I am, which means 10 years from now, who knows where I'll be. Right, right. Fair. Okay, so um, let's transition away from books and talk about your favorite quote, which is kind of in the same realm. Yep. um, Because I think you have like a few quotes in your just like memory bank that you go back to over and over and over again. But like... It's probably the one you're staring at right now, my vision board. The one about difficulty? Mm Mm-hmm. Would you like to share it with the audience? Yes, Albert Einstein's <laughs> quote that I've shared, I don't know how many times. I say quotation. Um, quote is oh, a business yeah. and financial thing. Okay. Uh, so quotation from Albert Einstein, uh, in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. That's actually the last part of the quote, but that's what the, the meat of it is, is that you know when you have something challenging going on, there is an opportunity somewhere in that. Um, I have used that that philosophy, that principle. I cannot countless times because I face you know a, a small issue, a big issue, whatever it is. If I find myself getting frustrated or, or feeling stuck in it, then I can use that quote to kind of take myself out of the, that scenario and kind of like third person. Like if I was looking at this from a different angle, is there an opportunity here to improve or something that I could gain that I'm missing somehow? And that forces me to like re-examine what's happening which helps me calm down if I'm angry. It helps me you know, get more creative if I'm stuck. It really helps me to reframe what's happening. And I feel like that's what we need in most scenarios when we're not getting results we want. Sometimes all we need is to change the perspective and boom, the answer is right there. So I, I love quotes like that that force me into that box of let's get out of the box and see it differently. Interesting. So I'm staring at your vision board over your shoulder. Hmm. What about we become what we think about? Is that a quote so, or is that just like a mantra or a know. quotation? Mm, it's a good question. I don't think it's actually an original quotation from someone. It probably is. Uh, but that philosophy is one that I think I learned originally from Brian Tracy, who is a personal development legend, And if I'm correct about that. And that I had an episode of the podcast, actually, where I talk all about that because it has meant so much to me recently, especially because when our daughter was born six months ago and we were kind of COVID has been happening the last couple of years, it's like you could name a number of things that have been like big challenges in my life in the last couple of years. And one thing that stood out to me was that I was, for whatever reason, allowing myself to be more negative and more pessimistic than I have probably ever in my life. And so because of that, I found myself not being as creative, not as energetic, not as positive. And when that thing, when I, that quote it was back in my life again, it just like it hit like a ton of bricks. It was like, oh my gosh, like I am becoming the negative version of myself because I keep thinking about the negative version of myself. Like I need to flip the script and really get back into that that groove that you know, I've discussed since day one on this show of personal development, of being proactive, of owning your life from that perspective of, well, if I could, be, if I become what I think about, well, then let's think about different things. Things that are more positive, more proactive more goal-oriented, 
And then I begin to move in that direction. All of a sudden, I'm not as pessimistic anymore. It's just, it's such a simple concept that is so practical and plays out for me, uh, especially in those moments like late at night, you know, it's 3 a.m. And my brain just keeps spinning with these negative thoughts about what could be happening or fear for the future. And I remember in the beginning, this is back in the winter uh, last year, I had one of those nights at 3 a.m. And instead of just sitting there in the middle of the night, like toiling over some problem in my head, I got out of bed and started working on it. I went right to my laptop and started working. And I stayed up that day from 3 a.m. on and didn't go back to bed. And it fixed my problem, like temporarily. Like I solved the issue in my head emotionally. And then I began to sleep better after that because I would kind of use that philosophy of if it's bothering me, I'm going to go fix it right here, right now, proactively make a change, which helps me feel like I've got some sense of control of my life. And if there's a problem, I'm going to go solve it. Like I'm just going to take care of it. And, it, you know, some days you'll lose some sleep in doing so. But the overall perspective is a, a healthier one, a more positive one. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with my sponsor, Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. Do you want to talk about podcasting? We certainly or do you can. want to do some like other fun ones or what? Whatever you want to do. Okay. Um, yeah, let's talk about podcasting a little bit. I mean, sure. you're like, you know, that's kind of your thing. It kind of is, yeah. Okay, so what advice would you give to someone starting out in podcasting? Ooh. All right, so let's say you listen to my show a little bit the last nine years now, because we're hitting the nine-year anniversary of the show. Uh, if you wanted to begin podcasting, and I'm, I'm going to have a caveat here or some context. You could be a new podcaster and make a bad show, which is pretty common. Or you could be a new podcaster and have a great show, which is not as common. And the difference, or maybe the reason why I'm still podcasting, and it's still significant in terms of my business and like where I'm at today, is that from day one, the podcast was a serious venture for me. It was, I'm going to approach this from the perspective that I want an awesome show. And I'm not going to settle for just kind of like, not giving my all to it because if I don't do that, it's not going to be what I think it can be. Now, if your show is a hobby show, you can just pick up your phone, start recording probably on Anchor, which is the most common free podcast hosting platform, and you can have a show in 20 minutes. It'll be a bad show, but it'll exist. And if that's what it takes to get you started, well, then do it. 
But if you want the show to be good or even great, then it takes planning, it takes preparation, that m- might possibly take a team to pull together if you have a larger business you're working with. But if it's just going to be a show that you want to get off the ground and have it be a great, significant part of your life or business, then take the time to plan it. Like, Do the research, read the books. Uh, my friend David Hooper has an awesome book called Big Podcast. Uh, you can like, There are great resources out there today that did not exist when I started. And so if you want to begin with awesome tools or very affordable gear, like it exists today in a way that the audio quality is better, the opportunities are better. So you can start from nothing and build an awesome show. But I think that regardless of what path you go down, if you take it seriously and you plan it and you test it and you do experiments, when you actually launch, you're going to be really proud of that work. And then you'll continue to do it. Uh, the mo- Most podcasters quit. This thing about new podcasters, the vast majority will last less than 30 days because they'll realize how hard this is. Like this is not easy to do, especially if your bar is higher like mine is. And so it's a commitment. It's it's a real decision to do this. It's it's not just like I'm gonna go to the gym today and work out. I'll, I'll just go podcast today. Like it's not a throwaway statement. It's an intentional part of your life. Okay, other people also don't think going to the gym maybe is as easy as you do. <laughs> Well, to that degree, though, going to the gym is now a habit for me, right? So if I hadn't been to the gym for a long time, I'd have to rethink, well, what's going to be in my gym bag? Or the the fact that I need a gym bag. You know, like, what would be in it? What would I have with me? What time would I leave? When would I get back? Like, all of those questions have to be asked and answered to make it an efficient trip in your day. And the same thing is true about anything you're going to do. Like, there's a lot of questions to answer. But once you've done that initial kind of, you know, big effort... Well, all of a sudden, then it's just it's second nature, and that's you know, I've gotten to that point now with podcasting. But even I was saying this earlier today, I'm still tinkering with my tech. I'm still changing things. I'm still tweaking, and so because of that, like I'm still struggling with podcasting. Nine years into it, and 500 episodes later, like I'm still working through th- those details because I want this show to be great, and I want any future work that I do to be great. So, speaking of future work. Hmm. Where do you see like the podcast industry overall going in the next 5, 10, 15 years? I think the biggest change is going to be international growth because podcasting does not exist everywhere. Uh, it's In the U.S., it's pretty well known, but there's plenty of countries where podcasting is just, it's not even thought of as a thing. And so that's one thing I've seen a lot of is that as technology with you know smartphones being available everywhere, uh, both Google and Apple have basically built in podcasting as part of the phone's you know uh, operating system. So they're, they're right there. Um, I even met someone recently uh, here in Nashville who she asked me about what I did for a living. I told her I was a podcaster. And she was like, well, how do I listen to your show? And that question right there told me that there's such a, a, an education gap between, well, wait a minute, if you hear a TV show, you can probably figure out how to find it. You can watch your television and see the show. But if someone says, I have a podcast, and you don't even know where to find it, like that's a big problem uh, for podcasters if they want their show to be known. And so as more people learn about what podcasts are, how to find them, how to subscribe to them, how to listen to them, or, you know, or pay for the ad-free version of them, or whatever the thing is they want to do with them, the more they know about that, the more listeners will exist. And so the entire like population of podcast listeners will just explode. Um, for me, that's super awesome, very encouraging. Um, the other key piece that comes with that is that the more people that are involved, the more corporations are, the quality bar is going to go up. You're going to see like Hollywood productions on a much bigger scale through an audio medium like podcasting, which is awesome. I'm super excited about that. 
Do you think there's a scenario where video podcasting or just like YouTube videos or whatever sort of takes over podcasting or like people shift solely to watching videos and the idea of like an audio only programming is just like a thing of the past? Yes and no. I will say no to video because audio dominates by far because people listen to podcasts while they're commuting to work, while they're working out, while they're doing household chores. Uh, Watching something takes real effort to do. You have to really pay attention fully to it. But listening can be done pretty passively. As I'm, I'm sure right now our listeners of this podcast are probably doing something else listening to this podcast. They're not just staring at their computer while watching me talk because I'm not. they can't see me anyway. But a video could be the case in the future. I mean, if we're talking like 20, 30 years from now, if all cars are autonomous and self-driving and, you know, you can just like watch a movie in the car, maybe you'd watch a podcast interview there. Uh, so it's a possibility, but that, I mean, that's a pretty, that's kind of far out there. I really don't think that video is going to overtake it in the podcasting sense because audio is just so much easier to jump into and do passively with other activities. Um, YouTube, though, is the next big platform that's going to really take over podcasting in the next few years. So you will see more podcasts there, but the video element is not going to be as critical. Uh, But there are shows, I mean, Joe Rogan's the best example, where he has a video element that's extremely popular. So you can't say video is not part of it because if it could be engaging, then yes, it could be part of it. Do you think we're going to see more like participatory podcasting? Like, you know, like live streams of like interacting, commenting. Yeah, I don't really know what that would look like, but I think that's that's a feature in like some social media or videos or I don't know. It's what I've been doing for the last six months on the Bullhorn podcasting app. And it's there's elements of that in YouTube and and, in other platforms, too. I think that, you know, you look at Discord and there's like the gaming community. There's lots of there's lots of interactive communities where people are doing things together. And I think that, you know, the the monologue nature of podcasting is old school. So me talking and a listener listening is a one way conversation. And I've never really liked that. I've always wanted more engagement. And so I think that the more that technology can allow that to be possible, the more I'm on board with it because I want a conversation. I don't want to say something or tell a joke and then no one laughs because no one's there because I can't hear them. I can't get that response. Uh, in part, that's what why live events will always be live events and have a, a specific uniqueness to them because you can't get a human-to-human contact without actually having that. But as a listener, do you want to like engage more? Like, I Well, think it would be optional. Of... You don't have to. Right. Kind of the fun nature of a lot of things is you could just sit on the sidelines and watch it take place, and that's all you want, and that's great. Or if you want to be involved, you can be. And I feel like that's what I would like to see happen more often. Okay, so let's sort of... Well, this one is kind of like about podcasting, but also kind of a fun question. Okay. So if you weren't a podcaster, if you had never gone into podcasting, or maybe podcasting wasn't a thing, what would be your like dream job or like... Game show host. Oh, okay. <laughs> you think that used your skills? It was... Okay. So back in college, when anybody would ask me, so Jeff, why are you in college? Why are you majoring in theater of all things? Where are you going to go with this degree, this life choice? My answer back then was I wanted to be a filmmaker. Like I wanted to direct movies. And then I realized pretty quickly that I didn't have the diehard love of film that other filmmakers have. Right? It, I think anyone who pursues anything should do so because they, they were born to do it. It's like in their blood. It's like that's just like they live and breathe that thing. 
And I didn't feel that way about film. And I was told very clearly by a, a, another film student that if you don't have that kind of passion, you're going to get squashed by everybody else around you. And so I, I kind of backed away from that. But I always knew there was this element of performance from theater that I loved. I, I love technology. And so all these things ultimately led me to podcasting. But I think that I very easily, let, let's say it didn't exist at all, you know, if I was born 30 years before I actually was, then I would have pursued something more along the lines of voice acting, game show host, hosting, um, emceeing live events, which ironically I'm now doing more of in my career. And so it's possible I'm going to kind of bend it that direction anyway. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, I would do more of the kind of onstage hosting of events and, and live kind of interactive things. Cool. All right, let's take another shift here and talk about another topic that's pretty much related to your podcast, but we can do this maybe like a little bonus episode-ish. Mm, okay. um, but what are your favorite healthy habits? Favorite healthy habits. Okay, so I've got a number of these. I would say the ones that give me the most kind of joy would be, first of all, waking up early to go for a run on the trails. That I get more kind of just that that endorphin rush. You know, you hear about runners, runners high. I, I legitimately get that in a way that nothing else provides. I could go for a run right now and be fine, but if I go for a trail run at like 5.30 in the morning, it's like otherworldly life-changing for me. I, I can't explain it. It's, it's amazing. Is it the spiders crawling all over you? There's a ton <laughs> of spider webs. Okay, that's the one major drawback. Those spider webs will kill you, uh, but that's huge for me. Um, the second would probably be my daily smoothie. I feel like that is just such a, an epic way to like pack in a ton of nutrients and value and uh, it's a way for me to like intentionally eat something healthy while also avoiding things that are unhealthy. So it kind of gets the double win in that sense. Yeah, I remember when we like maybe a decade ago when you were like, I'm going to spend like a hundred dollars on oh, the Vitamix. Yes, it was six hundred dollars. And I was yes, like, back there then. is no way that this is like worth, worth it. it. And I remember being like, are we going to make smoothies enough to like really <laughs> like how many smoothies would we have to make for this $600 purchase to be like justified? Mm. And that thing, we're on our second version now, right? No, this it's is the first same one. one. Okay. Same one. That thing has been like on our kitchen counter mm -hmm. front and center and we don't really cook. So it's like right. the main, <laughs> like it's like a long standing thing in our kitchen. Yes for years. I mean, it's probably been 12 years. Well, I bought it when I first went vegan, which was 12 years ago this summer. And so that's, you know, it's a dozen years of that Vitamix being in our kitchen. And well, I, there's a 10 year warranty on the motor, which I remember when I bought it thinking there's no way it'll last 10 years and it's 12 years into it. And that thing is still kicking. So Vitamix, shout out to you. Good job. Yeah. Uh, wow. You don't sponsor the podcast yet, but you will soon. <laughs> Okay, so other so we've got the morning running. Yes. Despite the spider webs when you're the first person on the trail. Yes. Um, we've got the smoothies. What else? Healthy habits. <sighs> you know, there's I would say whenever I get the chance, I don't do I never do this often enough, but when I get the chance to legitimately chill out, like to completely detach, I feel very refreshed from that. Now, I'm talking about, yes, you could say meditation, but I wouldn't really call it that. Uh, going to the sauna has become epically valuable for me. I get a similar effect when I go hiking or camping, like out of my usual like tech-filled life, and I'm really in nature. 
um, I get the same feeling there. So for me, it's I almost put this in the category of like a, a mental health strategy, which is if I want to de-stress, if I want to feel connected, if I want to feel re-energized, refreshed, like I get that when I walk away from my usual life. Like I can't like meditate in my studio, which I've tried before, because all the things I want to work on are right here. It, it makes no sense. But if I physically remove myself from it and I go somewhere where I can't have access to those things and I'm just kind of forced into a, okay, Jeff, just chill out here, I do. And then I feel awesome because of it. So for me, that's that's really valuable there. And I know you also have like a very love-hate relationship with like your coffees and teas and waters. <laughs> like yeah. talk to us a little bit about like your drinking habit. Well, caffeine <laughs> habit. Not really drinking. I call know. it drinking. You but, spend a lot of time preparing beverages. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, besides the Vitamix, our water boiler right. is the second most used device in my entire life. Actually, but it's probably more used now. Probably number one. Uh, because I'm making coffee, I make tea, uh, I make another coffee, I make another tea. It's just, there's a lot of that going on. Uh, I think that in large parts because I like, of course, the caffeine kick. Uh, but I think more importantly, it's just it plays into this like it's a ritual now for me and it prepares me for like, OK, I've made this first coffee off this next activity. I've made my first tea. Now let's go do this activity in the afternoon. Like it's a very specific like tied to a rhythm of the day. And so it's not just about the drink. It's about what the drink means for kind of the stage of the day that I'm in and how that prepares me for the next activity. So it is a ritual in that sense because it's part of my rhythm. And I think that if you can have those elements baked in in a way that allows that next part of your day to be the best it can be, then it plays a vital role for that. And you could, of course, you could drink caffeine-free tea or whatever you want to do. But it, if it's part of the ritual, I think it still carries a lot of weight in, in your life. Interesting. Fast forward to the end of 2024 and think about your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should check out my sponsor, Babbel. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, and studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions, without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, I've got another fun question for you. Mm -hmm. um, what are the top three songs on your playlist? 
top three songs. Uh, recently, I've gone, uh, I've harkened back to Linkin Park, which was. Uh, Have we ever had a break from Linkin Park? <laughs> I don't know if you can harken back to something that yeah. you're just constantly listening to. Which is funny too, because if you, I don't know, if you know me, you probably would not expect that like a hardcore rock band from the late '90s, early 2000s would be my thing. But I like energy. I mean, there's a reason why I named my academy the Rock and Productivity Academy. Uh, not because of rocking being like getting a lot of things done, but getting a lot of things done while listening to high energy music was that was specifically was in my mind when I titled that program. And that's how I have viewed uh, productivity in a lot of ways is that I want I, I say phrases like to bounce out of bed with enthusiasm. Like I'm specifically like channeling a high energy lifestyle. And so for me, a playlist I'm going to choose is going to have to embody that. I mean, techno music was a huge part of my life growing up. You know, I stayed abroad in Prague and I went to raves. Like I went to places where like techno was like born and like that's where it comes from. Like I just feel this like real calling to like high energy, hardcore, just like get you moving kind of of music. Um, for a lot, a lot of years running marathons, I would only run with that kind of music. Um, now I run without music at all, but for a long time, that's what I needed to like get that beat going in my head. Uh, so yes, number one is Linkin Park. Two and three are also Linkin Park. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any sense. Okay. Um, what is your favorite app? Favorite app on my phone or computer? I don't know. Both. Both? Yeah. Um, my most used app on my phone is probably Google Maps. Uh, I I really like maps. Like I'm not talking about directions. You are very good with maps. Yes. Every I lo- time I mention anything, he's like, "Do you want to look at the map?" <laughs> I'm like not really. So I, I love geography, and I always have, and I've always found it really interesting to know, like, okay, where am I now? What's around me? How do I get somewhere? What roads do you take to get there? What like geographic features are nearby? Like it's this question of. You know, how, where do I fit in the world right now? I think it's an interesting one because I like the visual nature of what, of what Maps provides. So like, Google Maps is an awesome, you know, app for lots of reasons, but it wouldn't matter who made it. I just like to look at Maps in general. So for me, that's that's a big draw. Okay, now what's your favorite computer app? Is that the same? No, uh, it's not. Um, I mean, in terms of like most used, my email apps are the most used app. Um, I would say on the computer right now, I've gotten a lot more into the Brain.fm Focus Music app. Um, I'm tinkering with a lot of different uh, ways to focus. Uh, I mean, now that I'm back doing my focus blocks of time in more intense ways, uh, I'm trying different like energy levels. So for a long time, I assumed that the only way for me to be productive was, once again, kind of the Linkin Park high energy, you know, hardcore beat uh, reality. But I think that I actually don't focus as well with that. I think that the the hardcore rock techno element gets me started, but to continue and to sustain productivity over time and to stay focused, I need a much more low key sound, something that's just a nice rhythm that's I mean, not not boring, but music that's designed to kind of just like keep that energy just flowing a little bit, like a drip over time. And I feel like that for me is is really helpful. Cool. Okay, what is your favorite vacation, or maybe? favorite one that i've been on yeah I mean, this is you one i'm discussed you can't say prog i can't say prog no that wasn't really a vacation prog was a study, study abroad program that's true um even though i went on vacations while i was there okay you could say one of those though i could say one of those 
Um, but I'm not going to. I think the it's one I've said before in this podcast, which was Yellowstone, which actually just recently flooded a ton, which is really sad. Uh, but Yellowstone is an amazing place. I went there with my dad and my brother probably seven years ago, maybe. And we camped out. We backpacked. We were in the wilderness with the bears and the moose and everything else. I mean, we didn't see any actual bears or moose, but we saw the tracks. Um, and so we were nervous about being mauled in the middle of the night. But uh, that's an amazing place to go. So for me, like that, and speaking of like kind of detaching yourself from reality and no technology, that was an epic place to go because there's no cell service. There's no way to do anything there with tech. And so you're just, it's just you and nature. And we were there for long enough for me to really finally like let go of it for a while. And I came back thinking like, how dumb is it that I spend so much time on the computer every day? And of course, I still do it now, and I need those reminders frequently uh, because I think it is so valuable to detach. Okay, so if you could go on a vacation, like if you had all the time and money in the world, you know, logistics weren't an issue, where would you go? Probably Asia. It's one part of the world. I mean, not specifically where in Asia, I'm not even sure. Um, possibly like, I would say southern China. Um, Indonesia area. I like the the South Pacific. Uh, I, I feel like I've I've never been there. I just there's something about it that really feels like I want to go there. I want to meet the people. I want to experience what it is. Uh, I feel like I've been to lots of. I've been to Europe a, a variety of times. Like it's I, I know part of that. I'm gonna go to Australia pretty soon, so I'll, I'll get to know that part of the world. But I feel like there's there's a lot in Asia I don't know about. So awesome. Um. Okay, what is something that you hate that everyone else likes? All I can think of is tater tots. I've never liked tater tots. I don't know tots. why you why you don't like tater that tots. That is true. Okay, um, let's let's do a couple more. Um, obviously, everyone knows you've got two girls. What's yes. it like being a girl dad? I think we're gonna have an episode later. I'm sure about like yes. parenting. So let's just like just a little brief, hmm. you know. But like, what's the best part of having girls? Well, I have no basis of comparison. Never had boys, uh, but Fair. <laughs> uh, but I would say that what's interesting is that, uh, to a large degree, I, mean, I get to kind of be a, a male role model in their life, and so I think I know one vision that I had. This is actually an, a weird story, but I'll tell it anyway. Um, <laughs> this was uh, back in college. I was visiting a friend's house in Iowa, and we went. It's over the summer, and we were staying at his house for a couple of days. We went to his neighborhood's community pool. Uh, to swim. And there was, at the time, I was probably 20 years old, maybe. And there was a dad there with his daughter at the pool. And he may have had multiple kids, but at least one that I saw. And he was very tan, very kind of like muscly, like a, like looks like the kind of dad you would aspire to become. And I remember being like 20 years old and no kids, you know, not married and thinking, I'm going to be that guy when I grow up. I want to be the ripped dad at the pool with his daughters. And that I've never forgotten that moment. And it wasn't because it wasn't didn't feel like a shallow thing. It was more like I want to be the kind of person who's like got his stuff together, who's like, I can handle this on a Tuesday afternoon. I can go to the pool with my kids and I'm, you know, in shape and I'm physically active and like I can be fully present in my life. Like that's what I saw then. And that's what I'm in a sense aspiring to be now. And not there yet, not that ripped dead yet. But I think to that degree, it's like that's an interesting kind of model for me to shoot for and one that I I carry with me now. Like I have the two girls and I want to be 
a positive presence in their life. Like, I want to be there when they want me to be there, but I also want to, when I'm there, I'm like fully there, which I think I need to work on in a number of ways. But, you know, that's that's part of parenting. Yeah. And I think our girls have really great, like we've got great men in our family. But mm. when you look at just like the the activities that kids do, it's largely female dominated. Like mm, all, true. you know, not, not all of them, but most of the teachers at the daycare or at the music class or at the dance class or at, you know, volunteering at church, all the places where our girls might go tend to be with women. And so I think right. it's really wonderful to have men um, as role models or even just as present figures. Um, and our girls are really fortunate to have those within our family. But I think, um, you know, just adding my reflections here on like being a parent of girls. Right. I think, um, yeah, positive male role models for children is like so important. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Should we do one more? Let's do it. Okay. Um, so I'm going to like bring this or I'm going to ask you to sort of bring it all together for us. But talk to us a little bit about the origin of the 5 a.m. miracle. How did, I mean, specifically, like, how did you come up with this idea? How did you come up with the name? Did you have reservations? Like, how did it all start? Well, now that we're at the nine-year anniversary, may as well reflect. I like, you know, a little good anniversary there. Um, the 5 a.m. miracle for me, I mean, came directly from my shift to a 5 a.m. wake-up call. And it was also kind of oddly aligned to the time of my business when I knew I wanted a podcast and I was looking for an idea. So I was kind of, on one hand, shifting my healthy habits and my daily lifestyle. On the other hand, asking this question, well, how can I create a podcast that's awesome? Once again, that kind of high bar for my content creation and have something that speaks to who I feel like I am and who I and how I could talk about something, some topic continually every week for years on end. Uh, because that was my biggest questions was, do I even have enough thoughts to talk about anything for years on end? And when I woke up that morning to go for a 5 a.m. wake-up call the very first time, and I went for a run, and it was really impactful. And I really thought to myself, like, this is something. I like what this is so much. Like, is there something more to this? And then I realized, like, my love of personal development fit completely into this intentionality behind I can change my wake-up call, I can change my fitness activity, change my day, own my time, like, dominate my day before breakfast, and when all those like ideas came to me, it was like, okay, just let's figure out a name that embodies what this is. And I mean, it's not a really sexy story, but I just wrote down a bunch of words or in my mind on a whiteboard and I paired them together. And when I paired 5 a.m. with the word miracle together, I was like, that's the name of the show. So it wasn't something like that spoke to me. It was just that I was just brainstorming possibilities and those two words fit together well. And I thought that I could speak to all these things I love productivity, personal growth, healthy habits, they could all fit together under that umbrella. Um, it wasn't until a couple of months into the show that I realized that there was someone else in the world who had a similar brand and mine sounded just like his. Uh, this is Hal Elrod from the Miracle Morning. Uh, I didn't know he existed and never even heard of him, never heard of his brand. Um, and of course, a lot of people thought that I was just cheating or copying off of him or trying to piggyback off his success. I didn't even know who he was, but as soon as I did, I emailed him. I was like, hey, come on the podcast. Let's talk about this. And so he was one of my first guests on the show. And that was helpful because I was able to kind of air that out quickly and then move on. Awesome. So now looking back at your nine-year mark, is there anything you would have done differently or ideas you have for where you're headed? What are your sort of big reflections for year nine? Well, one thing that you may have noticed as a listener of the show is that for the last six months, there have been no guests. It's just been me. 
And a lot of this show is really based in large part off of like the ideas that I wanted to present to the world, um, in part because I wanted to present myself as like a thought leader or someone who had, you know, a brand and a perspective and I could be this, you know, staple in the industry. But the other part of it was I love doing interviews because people who are not me can bring on in their intelligent thoughts and I can share those with the audience. And so what I've been trying to do for a long time is kind of balance what the show can become. Like what has it been, but what more so like where is it going to go? And I think in the future there will be guests again, but not for a while and not that many because I still want the show to be the 5A miracle with Jeff Sanders, not just the 5A miracle hosted by some other guy with other people. I just I feel like I want this to be emblematic of the growth that I'm going through and then I can reflect upon that and share those lessons with the listener because I that's always been for me with the show. Like I think a really great podcast is one that the episodes are not just rehashing old topics, but they're more specifically like representative of where you are in your life and how, what you're experiencing. Um, not, I mean, this is a good example of this episode right now, of us just kind of talking about life. I think it's really, it's a great chance to kind of air that stuff out. But then more so for me week to week, how can I connect with the listener by sharing like, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I've learned. Here's how it works. Uh, because I think that that's more practical. It's more actionable. Um, and I want the show to continue to grow in that direction of like pulling from my experiences uh, in ways that are more helpful as much as possible. That's lovely. It's beautiful. The five a miracle. That's right. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to end end with? Uh, just a thank you to the listener. Uh, if you're listening to this show right now, um, there's a pretty good chance you're by yourself. You're probably working out. You're probably doing chores. And I appreciate you. I appreciate what you, you're listening to the podcast. Um, especially for those who have been around for a long time um, and for the new people who want to uh, subscribe to the podcast, uh, jeffsanders.com. No, this is, it really is about, I want this show to be awesome um, in part because I like to talk on microphones, uh, but the, the whole reason why I'm here is the listener improving their lives. You know, I end the show by saying you have the power to change your life and the fun begins bright and early, but the you have the power to change your life part is something that speaks to me. Like I want to be like reinforced in my own mind that I can change my situation. If I have a problem, I can solve it. If I have an issue, I can go figure it out. And to me, that is a really powerful thing. It's where personal growth just really drives home is that this is personal. It's you getting better and you can. And I, I love that. Awesome. One well, for those listeners out there, if you have any other questions, maybe you want us to do another bonus episode. Send, yeah. us, send us some questions. You, of course, can email Jeff and he'll... You know, forward Jeff at jeffsanders.com. And he'll forward it to me. Um, then I can maybe ask him on another similar bonus episode. And one final tech note uh, Tessa has a new microphone that I just bought Ooh. her. So that's, uh, we, I'm not, I'm not going to say we're going to be co hosts going forward because that would need to hijack my show. <laughs> but you did a pretty good job at this one. Did you like the intro? I did, yeah. yes. So there's a possibility you may be back more than I would, I would like. Just right. because you're good. So. Well, I'll keep working on my mic technique and try not to like knock the mic over with my wild hand gestures. I'll have to just like tie your arms down. When we I talk. know. I've been trying to keep them back here. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks, everybody. What would you say are the most fun parts of podcasting? And then I'll follow that up with what is the most challenging part. You've hit that, that pop filter so many times. I'm not hitting it. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Ha, 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 ha.
Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I'm here to tell you about Greg McEwen and his amazing show, The Greg McEwen Podcast, part of the Yap Media Network. Want to achieve more by doing less, all while avoiding burnout? You can design a life that really matters with Greg McEwen, author of New York Times bestsellers, Effortless and Essentialism. His mission is to help you advocate and negotiate your way to remarkable results. Every Tuesday, Greg discusses one key topic he finds interesting and valuable through the lens of the essentialist. Every Thursday, he invites thought leaders, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and people like you for inspired weekly conversations focused on learning how to do what matters first and do less but better. His content will stir your thoughts and spark inspiration and action. And his British accents, well, that's just the cherry on top. Subscribe to the Greg McEwen podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.